Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hi. Uh, you made it home, I see. Yes, barely. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> storming it up out there here in the nation's capital, as it has been in uh, most of Ontario and Quebec for the better part of the day. We're recording Tuesday night here in the nation's capital, so I hope everyone who is in the storm area is being safe, being cautious. Uh, the city here. Uh, pretty empty around the office there <laughs> later in the day today and very few people are planning on going in tomorrow a lot of work from home days tomorrow scott does that include you sean yes it does oh yes and the I university have, uh... of ottawa too where i teach on wednesday nights they've canceled classes uh from 4 p.m tuesday to 4 p.m on wednesday which means my class tomorrow night will be one of the few classes running on a Wednesday there at the University of Ottawa, unless, of course, things change with the forecast. That's right, Sean. That's right. And um, me, I have to go to portable fire extinguisher training tomorrow morning. Uh, and when I wrote the instructor to say, hey, is this still on? He said, why don't you tell me? Because uh, I'm not sure everybody knows, but of course, I'm a meteorologist by training. So uh, <laughs> good job by the so instructor. Good, good question, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh but I, I, I'm still not sure if I will make it in tomorrow, which is good because, uh, you know, either way it'll be slow and I'll be able to think a lot about the upcoming Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, which kicks off with that wildcard game Friday evening. Yes, so I, I don't know if you've seen pictures there, Scott, but the ice looks terrific out there in Sydney. Uh, it's Dave Merklinger and his crew out there, and uh, they've done a really good job transforming that facility. It looks pretty much like it's ready here on Tuesday night, so I assume some teams will get there tomorrow and then Thursday for practices on Friday. Yeah, Sean, uh, give uh, Jenny McCandy a, a follow there on Twitter. She's uh, one of the event coordinators for Curling Canada and always has some good photos to share uh, of these events. So uh, looking forward to it, and let's uh, get started with this wildcard game, right? Yeah, so the wildcard game is a matchup between Casey Scheidegger, who struggled in that Alberta Provincial, and she's going up against Carrie Anderson, who, of course, lost in that uh, final there in Manitoba after having a pretty big lead that she was unable to hang on to there. And since then, you know, we, we haven't really seen them play that much. So I don't know, Scott, what do you expect here? Well, Sean, uh, it's going to be a, a good matchup, I'd say. Scheidegger's team has not had the season that uh, they would have liked, I'm sure. Uh, whereas Carrie Anderson's team, you know, they were, you know, all all guns ablazing there at the beginning of the season, cooled off a bit. Uh, more recently, uh, Carrie Anderson's been to the Scotties twice, once 2016, and now again uh, last year making it all the way to the finals, whereas last year was Scheidegger's first appearance. Uh, neither of them are super, super experienced uh, at, at the Scotties, so I expect a pretty even matchup. What do uh, some of the numbers tell you, Sean? 
So in looking at the numbers here, the one that I'm most intrigued by here is the head-to-head matchups. Yes. And uh, here we have Kerry Anderson with a 6-1 to lead overall in the head-to-head matchup. And this season they played three times with Carrie Anderson winning all three of them most recently at the National where she took a 9-4 win. So you got to mm-hmm. like that for Carrie Anderson. Of course, as you said, they played really well throughout the fall, but two of those games were in December. So after their initial crazy run and you know they they won 8 to 5 at the Canada Cup, 9 to 4 at the National there and, and Casey Scheidegger has struggled in this second half of the season when we look at some of their results mm-hmm. in events that, you know, I think we've picked them in a bunch of different things. Uh, they went 0-4 at the National. At the Meridian Canadian Open, they lost in the quarterfinal to Rachel Holman there, uh, but they had to come in through the seaside at the Canadian Open. So they weren't exactly running roughshod through everybody, and the Alberta Scotties, uh, a struggle for them there that, where they don't make the playoffs going three and three. So not making it through that seaside there. It's just, it's a team that I hate to make a comparison to Kristen McCarvel, but I think it's apt that with Casey Scheidegger, they don't play. I mean, they play more than Kristen McCarvel does certainly, but they don't play quite to the same level as some of the other teams in terms of the volume. They're playing more this year, but mm-hmm. In this event, you want to have a quick start and not sure that she can do it. The other thing that I think is important here is that Carrie Anderson won this game last year. She's and done it before. Yeah, She's done it. She's the only person to ever win the, the Scotty's play, playing game, mm-hmm. but she did it. And that has to bode well for her. Obviously, not, none of her team were in that game with her, but having that experience has got to be a positive yeah, that, that's a good point, Sean. Um, also thinking about the team, uh, the Carrie Anderson team, you know, Shannon Burchard obviously went and won the Scotties last year with Jennifer Jones. So she's got a little bit of experience there as well. Um, based on the numbers you've given me, everything that we've just talked about, i got to give that edge to Carrie Anderson. Yeah, I absolutely think it's fair. The, the numbers that concern me, though, they're – Overall, very, very good, of course. Their hammer efficiency for the season, they played 84 games, which is a crazy number of games to play in one season. Their hammer efficiency is down all the way at 37%, which given their record, 62 and 22 on the season, and just how good they were early in the year, you would have expected that number to be a little higher. So I find that a little surprising. Force efficiency at 66%. And those are numbers that for a team that was that good, you would have expected it to be a little bit better. And since it hasn't been the case, I wonder if that's a sign of them struggling now here as we get later into the season, which we've seen, that the results haven't been as good as they were. Again, no chance that you could have results as good as they were earlier in the season, but those numbers maybe are trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, you could make that argument. Um all that said, uh, I, I'm still going to have to pick uh, Anderson if I'm picking a winner here, which I think is sort of the business that we're in. It is, yes. And, and I agree. Uh, I think you got to pick Kerry Anderson. Uh, the, the performance at the Alberta Playdowns just a little too concerning for me with Casey Scheidegger and the inconsistency we've seen from her at times this season is concerning in a one-game 
situation, I think you got to give the edge here to Kerry Anderson. Yeah, Sean. Yeah. So uh, whatever team does advance out of uh, that pool, they will be playing in which pool at the Scotties? Pool they will be B? playing in Pool B. So do you want to start by previewing Pool B in the very, so. uh, you know, logical fashion? Sure. What would that logical fashion be, Scott? Well, you know, you know, B before A, obviously. Naturally. Uh, and uh, in reverse alphabetical order, based on birth date, uh, star sign. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, or just oh, the the order on Wikipedia or that Curling Canada sent out. Yeah. So let's go with that one instead. Um, <laughs> So let's start with, uh, we'll go in sort of reverse order of how they're ranked here. And let's start with the Newfoundland Labrador representative, Kelly Sharp, and her squad representing The Rock. Yeah, Sean. So I, I put together like a little bit of information about all these teams. Um, let me get to Kelly Sharp playing out of the Remax Center St. John's Curling Club uh, in St. John's. I'm going to try to channel my... Vic Router. Yes, give us uh, all the clubs repeatedly, please. All the clubs. And uh, Kelly Sharp is a pretty familiar face uh, when it comes to Newfoundland curling. She's been, it'll be her seventh appearance at the Scotties, three times out of the Northwest Territories, uh, and three other times out of Newfoundland as the third for Heather Strong. Uh, and she's making her first appearance, though, as a skip in this event. Uh, they played their playdowns play earlier in January. Uh, they won January 12th, their playdowns. So it's been about a month now since they were crowned champions and are headed uh, headed there. Do you have any record for them for the season? Or I don't. No? They, they haven't played that much this season. They, they haven't really registered with Curling Zone. They're not listed on there. Uh, at all so you know it's sort of tough to get a a sense of who they are you know you you look at sort of the team stephanie guswell there at third this is her second time at the scotty she was there as the third for stacy Devereaux back Mm -hmm. in 2011 she played in the world juniors in 2007 winning a curl uh, excuse me a silver medal there also with stacy Devereaux. So, you know, some experience there at the international level as well. You look at Beth Hamilton has been there. At the She played second for Heather Strong way back in 2005. And then at the lead position, you have Carrie uh, uh, Boutour, who played with Stacey Curtis in 2016. So all these players have been there before. So nothing new for them. But given that they haven't really played that much, they haven't really been around all that much, they haven't been playing at the high level that we've seen with other folks, it's hard to believe that they're going to have that great a week. Uh, yeah, Sean, 100% agree. Uh, they're in a tough a tough pool here. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not exactly murderer's row, but there's six talented teams uh, that I could see being the ones to challenge for that championship pool and unfortunately the newfoundland labrador team is not one of them absolutely and 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 that's you know no disrespect to them just i think you're right this is this is the the weaker of the two pools i don't think there's really any doubt to me at least about that Mm -hmm. but it's going to be hard to see them making that championship push yeah sean uh and 
of note, Kelly Sharp, Wikipedia uh, entry. So, I mean, maybe after this one, we can create an, a Wikipedia entry for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I judge if teams can. are yeah. going to do well. Yeah. Sure. And that, I think that's fair. So, uh, so let's move up a rank and look at Nicole Baldwin coming out of the Yukon, Scott. Yes, Nicole Baldwin coming out of the Yukon. Not her first rodeo either. Uh, her, uh, she's been uh, to the Scotties twice now. She was there in 2016 or 15, I think, and now again this year. Uh, and th- I was looking for when they played their territorial playdowns. Sean, they didn't. They were acclaimed into this event. That's great. Uh, so didn't have to play down. That. Yeah, I, man. Can I get uh, some sort of sweet acclamation? That'd be great. Uh, wouldn't have to ruin my body by playing playdowns. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're uh, one of these uh, teams that, again, I, I mean, if they win a game, they'll be, uh, they'll have a good week. You yeah, agree? I, no, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be tough for them. You know, Nicole Baldwin, she has been there before. She's been there twice as once as a skip back in 2016 at Grand Prairie. She went one and two in the relegation round, mm-hmm. which curling Canada, even though they've ended it, are still insisting on calling it the pre-qualifier. But we'll, we'll continue with relegation. And she was <laughs> the alternate for Carrie Cooey way back in 2007 in Lethbridge. So she has yeah. been there before the rest of the squad. Not a lot of experience. Um, Ladine Shaw, who's the second, was there with her back in 2016. And Helen Strong was the third last year with Sarah Mickelson. So not a lot of experience there at this level. And you know we've seen it now that each territory is getting their own entry into things that the UConn teams have struggled, maybe not as much as the Nunavut teams, but certainly a team that if you're looking – if you're the other teams looking around, that's a team that, or a game that you certainly expect to win. Yeah, Sean, I think, uh, they're, you know, going to have a fun time in, uh, in Sydney there. And yeah, if they get a win out of it, they'll consider it a real success. I agree. So, uh, so let's move up then another rank and it's the triumphant return, Scott, of Andrea Crawford out of New Brunswick. Yeah, Sean, Andrea Crawford, uh, we haven't seen her in a while, as you mentioned, but she is one of the uh, most decorated skips at this event, uh, with eight previous or eight uh, Scotties appearances now, including this year. They play out of the Thistle St. Andrews Club in St. John, New Brunswick. Their provincial qualifier was back on the 27th of January, uh, so just two or three weeks now. Uh, and yeah, like you said, making a return. To, uh, to skipping after such time off. Um, looking here, uh, has been taking a break since 2014, I believe. Her her last uh, appearance was the 2014 New Brunswick Scotties, and she uh, she won that and then missed the playoffs uh, in Montreal. Yeah, I don't think she's ever made the playoffs at the Scotties. She's always been around 500 when she was there. Of course, she was there prior to this new format, and I believe she was overseas for the past few years working and playing overseas. Some family commitments took her there, but now she's back. I think the great tragedy, of course, is whenever we have a team from New Brunswick that is not playing out of Oromocto, 
is <laughs> always a big loss, but it'll be good to see Andrea Crawford and with players who we haven't seen her with before. You know, she had a very consistent team mm-hmm. with her, and obviously once that goes away, it, it tends to go away. So a new team the, for the Scotties that, that we're going to see only played 31 games this season, 22-9, and nine though, so very good. They are crushing people. They are scoring 10 points a game which is pretty doggone good, uh, giving up six at the other end, but uh, very effective when they have played. Looking to be advantage of this five-rock rule, we I always remember Andrea Crawford uh, deferred to hitting. Uh, it seemed, yes. seemed to me that was her real strength, but uh, started to try and mix it up there uh, a little bit, 2013, 2014. Uh, they... I believe, yeah, she was always like five and six, six and five uh, at the Scotties. So I'm excited to see her return with this uh, new team, and I'm really excited uh, to see if they can mix it up. Because as I mentioned before, this pool seems to me to have six teams that are capable. Uh, Obviously, we'll get to talking about Jennifer Jones and whoever the wildcard team is. But then below that, the, there's four teams vying for those next two spots, I think, and Andrea Crawford's one of them to watch. Yeah, I, I agree that you're looking at two spots available here in this pool. I'm not as high on them as you are because she's been gone for a while and she hasn't played on arena ice then in, in five years. That's mm-hmm. tough to come back to. And, you know, Russ Howard talks about it all the time that you don't get the big curl on the East Coast ice. It, it's hard to make that adjustment. And, and the reason why Brad Gushu is so amazing is in part because he's invested all that money and, and time to go play on the good ice. And we'll see if she can make that adjustment or at least how long that adjustment takes her. Because, again, with the format the way it is, you you can't afford to lose two on Saturday or, no. or right to be one and two at the end of Sunday. That really put you behind the eight ball. The only way it could work is, and I haven't looked at her schedule, if she plays the wildcard team, Jennifer Jones, and she's 0-2, then you have a chance. But you know, if you come out there and you lose to Robin Silvernegro and Kerry Galush in your first two games, I don't think you can climb back from that. And again, having not played on this ice, that is going to put her behind the eight ball. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll see. She is, in fact, playing... Carrie Galusha and Robin Silvernagel in her first two games. Did you look at that, Sean? I did not. No. Oh, look at you. <laughs> there you go. So, what a guess. So, it, it's, so those are two big games there, right? I think we'll know exactly. a lot then about what Andrea Crawford's week's going to look like after those first two draws. Yeah, yeah. That weekend will be real, real telling. So uh, speaking of some of these other teams then, why don't we move on to the next, Sean? And who is that? So next up we have Carrie Galusha making another triumphant return to the Scotties out of the Northwest Territories. We have seen her every year since approximately 1948. <laughs> yes, Sean, and uh, I was going to maybe spring a trivia question on you about who is the uh, most of Scotties appearances amongst these skips, but you sort of just uh, guessed yeah. <laughs> already with Carrie Galusha. Uh, this year will be your 16th appearance there uh, at the Scotties. So it's really impressive. I, I gotta say, like I, I know she's. I don't think she's ever made the playoffs, but is she a Hall of Famer? Do we put Carrie Galusha into the curling Hall of Fame? It's pretty borderline. I, yeah, maybe put the whole family in, and she's a part of the family. Yeah, uh, the but family I'm, plaque. I'm just always taken whenever there's been an interview, and I know I've said this on the show before, but whenever there's an interview with uh, Kevin Cooey or Fred Cooey, 
mm-hmm. and they ask like who who throws the best rock in the family they all say that it's carrie that it's carrie yeah you're yeah. right you're right yeah so, jamie too like whenever the three of them are interviewed they always say carrie is the best thrower yeah that uh she might be she might be a, a hall of famer there like you say had a couple of disappointing results in that relegation round that we'll call uh when it first started but yeah she's a perennial presence at the uh, at the scotties playing out of the yellow knife curling center uh she qualified back in january on the 11th playing a best of five series in the uh, the qualifier there it was not uh around robin or anything so right and it uh, was not close no she won all three games and it was 12 to 2 10 to 4 10 to 2 i think yeah. they played eight ends twice and the last one was done in six so yeah. Yeah, obviously the class of the province playing with uh, Sarah Colton and Brittany Tran and Shona Barber. Uh, pretty good. They picked up two young players in Sarah and Brittany. Uh, Shona's one of the veterans that's been with Galusha for a while. Um, and this team, I, I imagine, Sean, you're going to tell me they're going to make some noise this week. Yeah, I was big on them last year. I thought they would make it into the championship pool. They did not, but... I, yeah, I like the addition of Brittany Tran to the team. Sarah Colton, I've always been high on. We saw her at the Scotties as a skip for UConn in 2014 when she was also skipping. She'd just come from the Canadian Junior Championships and came right into the Scotties. And mm-hmm. she she struggled that week, but she has like a fire to her. I, I really like her approach to it, her, her the way she throws. She has terrific fundamentals in the hack and how she plays so i really like her and and she's not very old obviously she, she was playing juniors back in 2014 mm-hmm. so i think that this is a nice addition to have of course she was there last year and it didn't go well but this team has also played together more than other years they've come down south a few times they got a big win mm-hmm. here in the ottawa area at an event's that they came down for BD. It was the uh, Royal LePage Women's Fall Classic out in Kempville, beating Marianne Arsenault in the final there. And and that was a pretty good field. So I like them. Hopefully they're in a position where they can figure out the ice early on and and get some wins under their belt and, and make some noise. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think that they should be into that championship round, given the pool. Yeah, Sean, uh, they're they're definitely one of those four contending teams. I like you say, I like the way they sort of structured their season this year. Um, sort of knowing they were going to the Scotties, they made an effort to come to, down south and play in more uh, spiels. We talked about them on one of our podcasts there in the fall about how they decided to schedule their year and really it's going to come down to this week now uh, seeing if all that travel and all that work actually ends up paying off and getting them into that championship pool i'm really excited to see uh how it goes and i'm i'm definitely rooting for them yeah 100 percent. so uh so let's go back east again and another big return to the scotties this time suzanne burt yeah sean suzanne burt back to the scotties for her guess it 10th appearance out of the Charlottetown Curling Club, uh, winning the provincial back about a month ago, January 13th. Uh, so Suzanne's been there before, 
highest finish, of course, that uh, heartbreaking year in 2002 when uh, they went 11 and or 10 and one, nine, something like that through the the round robin, 10 and one, I think, yeah, uh, and lost in that semifinal game uh, on a, a Saturday night, and I proceeded to get maybe the most drunk I've ever been. <laughs> uh, a real a real letdown there in that game. Uh, but I'm excited to see them back. Uh, it's a team that they had last year, I believe. Um, Megan Hughes, Michelle McQuaid, uh, and Merck Christensen. Uh, so, yes. it's, yeah, it's the same team that we saw last year. Uh, they struggle at first. They're one of these East Coast teams that struggles at the beginning. So, again, uh, but I put them in the same sort of tier as Andrea Crawford and Carrie Galusha. And it's going to be a battle between those three to see who is ultimately going to claim that uh, fourth playoff spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And we've seen Suzanne enough. And like you say, we know sort of what to expect out of her. When she'll come in, she'll probably struggle early in the week with the ice. And again, short format. Can't really have a lot of time for that. Team playing well, mm-hmm. though, 30-11 and 11 on the air. That's a lot of games. But focused in the in the East. They came to Oakville for that Stu Cells in September, but since then they have not left the Atlantic provinces. So in terms of the ice conditions and, and what they're going to expect and what they're going to be used to, it's going to take some time. But, you know, if the ice is ready now, I don't know what the rules are in terms of getting on the ice, but maybe they can get a couple extra sessions in. I doubt that they can. I, I, that would be weird if mm-hmm. uh, teams have that sort of advantage. But, you know, and, and maybe – out there in Nova Scotia, maybe some of the uh, Islanders will head over and, and maybe they'll get some support mm-hmm. and some, some Atlantic love out there. And who knows? Uh, I'm not as high as you are with them. I know they're ranked high in this group. They're the fourth ranked team based on points and the world rankings and, and how that all is put together. But I don't think that they are as good as Kerry Galusha's team top to bottom. Yeah, that's fair, Sean. That's fair. It's just that the experience and having been there as a team uh, twice now, th- maybe three times even, uh, I just I just think uh, this is their time to break through. I uh, of course, like uh, I probably talked about, Michelle McQuaid played at uh, my club in Montreal and got to play with her a little bit. She's a really solid player uh, and a really good presence as lead. I think on this team, she's pretty quiet goes about her business but uh will give the feedback where it's needed um so i, I gotta say i'm i'm rooting for pei all right fair is there enough. anyone i'm not rooting for sean it's uh, uh no i that, so far no there isn't okay i'm uh i'm supposed to be an impartial journalist uh all right i'll tell you some teams <laughs> later that i i'm not rooting for all right there you go <laughs> so next up we'll go to the prairies robin silvernagel she gets the win in saskatchewan beating sherry anderson in the final there. This is a team that we know we've seen a bunch, but not that often, if ever, Scott, at the Scotties. Yeah, Sean, uh, you're right. Uh, We've seen parts of this team at the Scotties before, but this will be the first Scotties appearance for Robin Silvernagel, the skip there, uh, playing out of the Twin Rivers Curling Club in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Uh, We all remember famously beat her beating Sherry Anderson on January 27th to capture that first provincial title and sort of the look of joy that they had on their face. Um, I'm really excited for them to go, but Sean, 
this is not a team I'm rooting for. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just I, I oh, thought okay. I'd I thought I'd uh, break it out right now. Uh, all right, uh, there you go. But Robin Silvernagel, uh, yeah, has been playing uh, since skipping since the 2009-2010 season uh, on the tour. She's added Stephanie Lawton to her team, giving them sort of a a presence that's well known at the national level. Um, and yeah, and, she's really good. Stephanie Lawton is really good. Is really and, good, and I think her playing third is like the perfect position for her. I always thought maybe at skip she was a little bit, uh, not that she couldn't make the shot, but she was like a little indecisive on what would be the best shot for her. Yep. And and yeah, no, I think that she fits in really really well with this team. Yeah, and she was yeah she was t- a little tight as a skip, I thought. And this team has played a ton. They played sixty two games. They're 45 and 17 on the year. They are playing very well in that Saskatchewan playdown. They beat Sherry Anderson in the final. They also beat her in the one-two game and in the round robin. So they mm-hmm. beat Sherry Anderson three times there. They're scoring eight and a half points a game, giving up 5.3 a game. Hammer efficiency at 48%, which is pretty good. Force efficiency there at 64%, and their steal efficiency there at uh, 0.29. So very effective at stealing. And having good hammer efficiency, that's why they're 45 and 17, and they haven't played in you know the big events that some of the other squads have. They got that entry into the Canadian Open as the local sponsors exemption team, and they made the playoffs there, losing to Silvana Terenzoni in the playoffs, but they beat Tracy Fleury there. They beat Nina Roth. They actually beat mm-hmm. Silvana Terenzoni in their last uh, sort of in the last game of the the draw the pools not the pools the the b they came out of the b side there so a very good week there their only loss in the saskatchewan playdowns was the amber holland and you know we've seen amber holland before and she she's a wizard right if she's on you're not going to beat her so it's hard to say that this team should not be in the championship pool yeah sean for sure that and that uh, amber holland team i was going to say came out Guns blazing in the Saskatchewan play uh, playdowns. I think they were five and zero at one point, or four and one, or something. They they started really hot uh, in the event, so no shame in dropping one there. And yeah, when I talked about those four teams, Saskatchewan, PI, Northwest Territories, New Brunswick, those are sort of the four teams that are fighting for two spots. And maybe you might you, we might have talked me into uh, saying that really Saskatchewan should be in. And the, the next three are fighting for one spot. Yeah, I, I really do think so. This team is really good. And, you know, with Stephanie Lawton there, you know, the bright lights, I, I don't think are going to get to them. I, I think that Stephanie Lawton is, like you say, really well placed there in the third position. And we'll be able to, to keep this team under control. So uh, I think I, I'm very optimistic about their chances. Now they open uh, open against Team Canada there in their first draw. So a little tough. They then they have. That's good. I I think that's when you want Jennifer Jones. In the first draw, that's when you want her. Why to, not? Because you're no going to lose it the anyway. Ice. Learn no, the no, ice. You, no, you always see Saturday afternoon. People are like, "What's going on with the ice? We have no idea." Yeah. That's I think when you want to take on Jennifer Jones, and I'd be surprised if that's not the TV game, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, with with that matchup. And so you get those nerves out of the way. So, yeah, even if you lose it, you're not really behind the eight ball relative to the rest of the the, the pool who you would expect to lose a bunch of games to Jennifer Jones. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I think that's a, a nice schedule break for them. And then uh, they'll play the wild card game, uh, wild card team Monday morning. So their first three, Canada, then um, New Brunswick, Andrea Crawford, and then the wild card. So if they're one and two, they're fine. If they're one and two, they're they're pretty happy, I'd say, right? I think so. Yeah. Right on. So well, talking about the wild card team, then like we already did, they're the next team in the pool, right? Yes. So we both think it'll be Carrie Anderson, could be Casey Scheidegger, of course, but. I think whoever it is is going to be expected to be in the championship pool. Maybe not the playoffs, but certainly into that championship pool. Yeah, it'd be a huge upset if they didn't make it, Sean. Yeah, 100%. Huge. huge. Yeah. So, and uh, if, so if it is Carrie Anderson, she'll get to play her best friend, Jennifer Jones, uh, <laughs> in, in a matchup where uh, we've seen the tables turn a little bit uh, in the past year or two. Yeah, so Carrie Anderson could not beat Jennifer Jones at the start of her career, and now she cannot lose to Jennifer Jones. She cannot lose to her. So if you're Jennifer Jones sitting here, uh, the top-rated team in Pool B, are you afraid of anyone? No. Of course not, right? No. 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 It's, I mean, that's cute. So she's going to no. go 6-1 and one in this pool is what you're saying. 6-1? and one. No, she's... She's no. going to run it. She's going 7-0. and oh. She's going to run she, it. She's better than everybody. Yeah, she is... Yeah, but Carrie Anderson uh, has got her number. Until she doesn't. Yeah, true. Right, like until she doesn't. She Jennifer Jones beat her at the in the final of the Canada Cup, right? Beat her eight to five there. They have not played. Oh, they have played since there. And hey, Jennifer Jones won that game too. So, you know, the last two. uh, Jennifer Jones is better than everybody in this pool. Like, like what? What else can you say? No, you're right, Sean. You're right. So so they play Canada will play the wild card team in draw 14 last draw of the preliminary pools. Uh do both teams go in 6 and 0? Oh? No. I'm going to say no on that one. I think the wild card team if it's Carrie Anderson, she falls to Robin Silvernagel, maybe even to someone like Andrea Crawford, Carrie Galusha. I don't think the wild card team goes there goes in there undefeated. Okay. I would be surprised if Jennifer Jones doesn't, unless that first game they're off, they don't have the ice. Robin Silvernegger is playing really well. But, yeah, I, I would be very surprised if Suzanne Burke, Kara Galusha, Andrew Crawford, Nicole Baldwin, or Kelly Sharp beat Jennifer Jones. All right. I uh, I can't say I disagree with you, Sean. No. So well, uh, do you want to – I think we've pretty much picked our, our teams for this pool. Do you want to move on to the next pool? Yeah, so let's shift on over there to Pool A, and over there we have, let's start at the bottom again, with the team coming out of Nunavut and Janine Bodner, Scott. Yeah, Sean, Janine Bodner uh, out of the Akalowit Curling Club. Uh, they qualified sometime in early December, so they're on about three, uh, let me count, one, two, two months now since they've qualified yeah uh, they've known they were coming this is her second appearance uh at the scotties for nunavut she appeared in 2016 as the lead for nunavut and as such delivered the very first stone by an akalawit or a, a, a nunavut team at a scotties national event that's pretty cool right yeah that is pretty cool and uh yeah so, for sure and so and now she, she actually comes... lives in akalawit which is yeah. the first time we've seen a nunavut skip 
in either the Bri or the Scotties <laughs> who actually lives in Nunavut. So she comes back as uh, the skip here this year, and their lineup, Sean, is got to be the highlight. Uh, I'm going to see Vic's head explode as he tries to explain who throws where. So uh, she is the skip and throws second stones. Yep. Jennifer Blarney is the vice skip who throws. Yeah, Blaney. Allison Scott Blaney. Did I say Barney? Blarney, like the Blarney, Blarney. stone. You, uh, not, people aren't going to go and be kissing her all week. Hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, and their second, Allison Griffin, throws the third rocks. The yes. only one who throws her, the rocks of her position is the, the lead, Megan Ingram. So... Uh, Try wrapping your head around that, thinking yeah. about it three times straight. Who's what doing? Uh, yeah, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be tough for Vic. Yeah, it is. And none of the three of them have been to a Scotties before. The other three members, Jennifer Blaney hasn't done anything at a national level so far. This is her first time. She actually lives here in the nation's capital. And Allison Griffin, she's played at the Canadian Mix, the Travelers, as has Megan Ingram, gone to the Travelers a couple times. Uh, they both live in a Callowit. So, you know, we saw last year, both the Briar and the Scotties, if if this team gets to a 10th end, that's a win. Yeah, Sean, for sure. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I think uh, that's pretty much all we have to say about that. I think so. So let's move on. Moving up to the team coming out of Quebec. Ah, La Belle Province. Yes, we have Véronique Lavoie. No, geez, I already messed it up. It's Gabrielle Gabriel yeah, Lavoie. There you go. I don't know. I had Veronique in my mind for some reason. Uh, out of the Victoria, Jacques Cartier, and Etchemin Curling Clubs in Quebec City, they are making their debut at the Scotties, uh, qualifying on the 20th of January. So I've had a little bit of time. So uh, we're seeing for the second year in a row, Sean, a junior-aged team here to represent Quebec. Uh, yes. Tw- 2017 under-18 bronze medalist. Um they managed to beat the last year's team, uh, Team Gagné, to uh, win the Quebec Provincial. Uh, and interestingly, it was being played at the same time as the Canadian Juniors. Uh, and so uh, none, like the team that won Quebec's Juniors wasn't playing in the Provincial right. playdown. So it's not even, in theory, the best junior team in Quebec. Right. So, yeah. So uh, that being said, of course, the team that was there last year, I think that they, they played very well. I think they represented Quebec very nicely. There's nothing wrong with, with nope. what they did, uh, at, certainly at all. I, I mean, you know, Mary-France LaRouche is going to be there as the uh, alternate, which is great. Uh, awesome. Very, very smart choice to have her there, to have somebody who has seen it all at the Scotties. She's been there nine times before. She knows what to do. She will guide them through this. I think that's a great choice. And Mary Frost, in addition, is a teacher. So not only her experience, but she knows how to talk to and with young people. And all of these girls, uh, these women, young women, are still in school. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one of them, Ju- uh, Julie Degg, is in Sejep. Uh, two of them are at Laval, another one at St. Lawrence College. So that they all live in Quebec City, play together is a good thing. Having Mary-France LaRouche there is a good thing. But, Scott, this pool is an absolute bear compared to the other one. And, you know, if they can come out of this with two wins, I think that'll be good for them. 
Yeah, I mean, even one, I think, would be uh, really good. Um, I'm looking forward to when this team gets to go to the up close and personal. You know, hopefully, Mary France will be there on stage with them. Uh, uh, Stu to pick on a little more than than the young ones, but uh, it should be really fun. Uh, really fun experience for these uh, these uh, ladies to get some exposure at this national level. Absolutely. So let's move on to the Blue Nosers, skipped by Jill Brothers, making her return to the Scotties. Yeah, Sean, Jill Brothers. It's been a minute for her. <laughs> she uh, is making her, let me just double check to make sure I got this right. I'm on the right line. Yeah, it's her fourth uh, appearance at the Scotties. So uh, we've seen her before, a uh, maiden named Mauser, of course. Uh, I think she made one or two appearances under that name, playing out of the Mayflower, Mayflower Club in Halifax, also qualifying January 29th. So weeks under their belt to get that right. Um, yeah, like I, I think this team is unlikely to advance to the championship pool, but could make some noise. Like we saw last year, uh, Marianne Arsenault come out of Nova Scotia with a relatively young team and caught lightning in a bottle, right? Uh, Had an an amazing, amazing week. Whether we see this again, I'm not sure. She's got Aaron Carmody playing third for her, who came back from Alberta. She, of course, was on that really fun PEI team in 2010 that made their run to the final. Yep, great team. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron back there at the national stage. So it's going to be a fun team to watch. They're like you said though, this pool is really really tough. So I'm, yeah. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it. No, I'm with you on this. I mean, Jill Brothers, I just said Canadian Junior Champion, Canadian Mixed Champion as oh, that's well. Right. You know, very good player and, and a lot of experience there. And this is a good team. It, it is. It's it's a legit team. They have not left Nova Scotia to play this year. All mm-hmm. of their events have been there in Nova Scotia, 16-5 and five on the Cash Beal circuit. So obviously very good record-wise, but you look at the caliber that they're going against, it hasn't been great relative to the other teams. So I think the expectations are going to be low here for them, but host team, always fun. Yeah, that's right. right. Crowd, will be, crowd will be into it. You'll see those yellow hats. There'll there'll be a lot of folks there, a lot of cheering for them. And if they can get on a roll here, I don't think four and three is out of the question for them. And as we saw last year, four and three can get you into that championship pool. Yeah, four and three would be really impressive. I mean, I think two wins against Nunavut and Quebec are must, must wins. If she can steal one, I mean, I think her and Sarah Work, who we'll get to talking about, are similar in a similar place. Uh, Krista McCarville, we know what she can do. The rest of the field, uh, I think, is a, a step ahead. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be touch and go for Team Brothers. But uh, like you say, home hometown team, they're going to have all those Blue Nosers supporting them. It's really special to play in a national championship at home, and maybe that uh, buoys the team enough to. Uh, give them what they need to get get through. Yeah, and like you say, we know what Chris McCravo can do, and I, I think we say that on both ends. Mm-hmm. So you know that I think that's the game. That would be the fourth one. I mean, she has to beat Sarah Work and probably Chris McCravo, but Chelsea Carey can give away games too, and we'll, we'll talk about her in a minute. But yeah, that's true. That's, that's why I mean. That's why I think four and three isn't out of the question. I don't think it's likely, but right. I don't think it's out of the question that they're playing 
all the way till Friday. Yeah, and for hopes of the the host committee, I, yeah. I'd, I'd say that uh, that that would be great. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's move up. You mentioned Miss Kristen McCarvel. She is coming back after a tough Northern Ontario provincial last year, which got you were personally responsible for their loss. Yeah, Sean, I uh, I jinxed them by holding their sign at the yes. uh, at the trials there, and every time I walked out with their team, they they lost. So we had a bit of an exchange at the patch one night, and I admitted my fault. Uh, it was, yeah. Anyway, and it was then you pretty, said it'll be great to see you in the Scotties. I did. I said it'll be great to see you at the Scotties, and she said, "Well, we have to get there first And, and I said, "Ah, that. you'll get there, no problem." Whoops. And oops, they didn't. No. So, uh, yeah, good to see them back, though. Uh, they had a pretty tough game there in their Northern Ontario final. They were down, I think they were down three with three. Uh, got two, gave up one, got two to win. Something like that. Maybe they're down to that math makes more sense. Uh, so it was tough. She's making her seventh appearance at the Scotties. Of course, uh, at least two of them were out of Ontario. Maybe yes. three. Maybe four. Uh, so out of the Fort William Curling Club there in Thunder Bay, qualifying just a week ago on Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. And uh, after they go with an undefeated through the double round robin there in the Northern Ontario provincials where a little disappointing, I think that the, uh, did they even had to play that game to be honest? A little bit. Yeah. We talked about that a bit a, a, a week ago, but yeah, you know, they, they persevered and, and won the game. And I think they're, you know, if they can, if they can get off to a good start, they're in a really good position because we've talked so many times about how much Krista McCarville, uh, like how, what a great thrower she is. Uh, she calls a good game. Uh, Ashley Sipple is uh, not with the team this year. They've got a new second whose name's escaping me at the moment. Um, so, you know, we'll have to see how, how that contributes to the team dynamic. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it should be any problem for them. What do you think, yeah. Sean? No, I agree. So it's Jen Gates who's coming into play second. Mm-hmm. She was the alter- alternate for Tracy Horgan back in Red Deer in 2012. And with Chris McCarville four times, actually, there, Scott, as the Ontario skip in 06, 7, 9, and then in 2010, where, of course, she won the bronze medal that year back in Sault Ste. Marie, won the silver mm-hmm. medal, lost the final in 2016 in Grand Prairie, to I believe that was Chelsea Carey, and then last year she goes nine and five, or excuse me, uh, two years ago in St. Catharines goes nine and five. So this is a team gets off to the slow start. We've seen it before. We saw it with the War of the Rings, the trials mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she has struggled with that, and it's you know. Yeah, you just sort of don't really ever know what to expect out of this team. Now, Scott, with that, uh, the last time they lost a game was in draw nine of the Tour Challenge in November. Wow. So they lost a game 5-3 to Tracy Fleury. That puts them the 0-3 in that event. Then they beat Casey Scheidegger in the last one. There are two events since. The Curl Masabi Classic down there in Evlaith, Minnesota. 
they run the field there going all the way through to an undefeated championship and then as we mentioned undefeated through the northern ontario scotties so Mm -hmm. some again the the level of play or or opponent maybe not all that high but that event in minnesota did have jamie sinclair did have jackie harrison two teams in the top 25 and in the order of merit so you know not terrible oh, fields yeah and, and uh the northern ontario field though not great like if they had lost any games in that event i think it would have been a surprise yeah sean for sure for sure uh we talked about jen gates there uh, she also lives in sudbury uh as does kendra lily so yeah you three of them up in thunder bay and just kendra by herself in in sudbury trying to you know practice and now she's got a practice buddy so uh you know there two you and go. two uh, maybe good. I think Kendra and, and Jen played together in juniors. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this team. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I, I make no bones about it. Uh, I, I really like them. So I hope they do well. I, I am cheering for Krista McCarple's team. Yes, I think I think as we all are, Scott. But another team that you are cheering for coming out of British Columbia and the most fun provincial flag in the country and that's Sarah Wark and her team. Yeah, Sean, Team Sarah Wark out of the Abbotsford Curling Club, uh, playing there, making her first Scotties appearance. Uh, they were the class of the field at the BC Scotties just a week or so ago. Um, they beat Corinne Brown in the, the BC Finals, made their way, and uh, I was really happy to see them win. Uh, I've alluded to this, that I, I played against Sarah Wark uh, in the Victoria Super League before. Um, really happy to see people. You know, you know when you see people you know on TV and you're like, hey, I know that person. There you go. It feels yeah. kind of feels kind of fun, right? Yeah. Let's we'll see how um, much you see her on TV this week. Yeah, might not be so much. <laughs> might not be so much. I, uh, Carly um, Carly Sandwith is her second and was the lead for Kessa Van Osh in 2014, the team that went six and five just missed out on the playoffs. So. Uh, she's one with Scotty's experience on the team. I, I, I would like to see this team do, do well. I'm not sure they're going to, they got really thrown into the meat grinder in this pool. Uh, it's pretty tough. Uh, Like I said, I think they're a similar level of team to Jill brothers team. They played a lot in BC, not much outside of BC this year. No, no. So do you have any numbers there for them? Yeah. So overall they played 42 games this season, 30 and 12, but as you said, didn't really go out of, British Columbia that much. They played in the Red Deer Curling Classic. They went 3-3 three and three there. They beat Kerry Galusha. They beat Casey Scheidegger. But they fell to Yoshimura out of Japan and uh, the, the May team, Me team uh, out of China. I always say that wrong. Um, <laughs> so they, they struggled there. But, you know, they, they have Corinne Brown's number. They beat her three times at the BC Playdowns. And they've played some good teams this year. Overall, they lost to Fujisawa. Uh, they lost uh, as well to uh, a couple other Asian teams who are ranked in the top 50. Uh, Gushalak out of BC played them a bunch mm-hmm. and sort of mixed results there. You know, first time for this team with a young team. We saw with Kesavan Osh, you can get blinded by the lights a little bit and. I just think versus, say, the Quebec team that really has nothing to lose, I, I wonder if they're going to come in here with maybe some 
more expectation and if they get out there and go Owen too it'll be I'm curious to see how they respond to that and whether or not I mean I like Kessa Van Osh in the minor interactions I had with her but it you know she back there in 2014 she the team was sick she had a couple losses Mm -hmm. and you could just see it on her face that they were not going to really recover in time to make the playoffs so I, I just wonder about Sarah Wark and how a situation like that how resilient she's going to be in a situation that she'd never been in yeah yeah Sean uh absolutely it's fair to wonder uh I remember she lost a BC final uh I think 2015 I want to say and uh she had a draw to win it in the 10th and was heavy the other team stole tied and then she lost it in the extra it was one of those moments where you're like ah you just feel like so bad but uh yeah you're right their their first game draw one is against jill brothers and i think uh that's going to be a big game in determining uh which of those two teams uh is the one that it's really going to push that last playoff spot yeah i agree that's uh that's a big table setter for mm-hmm. the week for both of those teams and a game that if i was tsn i might put that on <laughs> Yeah, it's not a it's not a bad game. I I'm sure they're gonna put Chelsea Carey against Tracy Fleury. Yes. Or Krista McCarvel at Rachel Holman. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Geez, that's bad scheduling to play <laughs> those games at the same time early in the week. But hey, uh, you know I'm not you got, I'm not the scheduler. Yeah, you got uh, all these good teams in this pool. Then that's what you're gonna get, right? Yeah. For sure. So uh, so we'll see what happens there. Let's move up now to Alberta and Chelsea Carey. This is where we get into teams that we're all a little more familiar with. Uh, Chelsea Carey's had a mixed bag this season, Scott. 32 and 27 on the year. First year with this new squad, and they've been kind of all over the place. They sure have, Sean. They sure have. Uh, we picked them at the beginning of the year to be the team game of stones in yes. our epic podcast that everybody really enjoyed got so much feedback about how great that show was uh and i I, you're they stumbled like coming out of the block obviously it's taken them some time to get used to playing together and it seemed to me once rochelle brown got back from her maternity leave uh she really got the team to sort of gel a bit more and with her and, and dana throwing lead in second they, they seem to be clicking a little better, and obviously they went into the Alberta Scotties, ran the table. They were unstoppable. Chelsea was playing well. She was playing confident, and we'll see if this can can translate over. They, they play, um, you know, a, a style that I think can win, but it's all about execution. So And confidence. Chelsea Carey, you see it with her that she just – when she doesn't have confidence, she doesn't have a chance. Now, that's true for every skip, yeah. but it seems like confidence fluctuates more with Chelsea Carey than it does with other players. And she's just somebody who, when you watch the games, you're never quite sure what you're going to get out of her. Like Even when Rachel Holman is bad, and which, of course, is few and far between, but mm-hmm. in the Olympics, sort of she was bad in a consistent way. 
If, like if that makes any sense, like she was missing a bunch in the same way, mm-hmm. but with Chelsea Carey, when she's off, she's missing heavy and then she's missing light or she's missing wide and then she's missing narrow. There's no, there's no consistency, which makes it harder to correct. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes. when you're all over the place like that. And that's been her problem in my opinion throughout her career. And you, 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 you know, I, I know we've talked about it before, but in that final of the curling trials, the Olympic trials last year, you know, she had a great week. She, I believe, ran the table there right into the final. Mm-hmm. And she comes out and she gives up two very easy steals. She flashes a hit yeah. going for a blank and giving up a steal, and which you just don't expect at that caliber in that setting. And those are the moments where Chelsea Carey, you know, if she, when she's getting in the hack in the 10th end, if she needs to draw a piece of the button – there is just no sense. It, it's not the same as, you know, Jennifer Jones being in there. And when she puts it on the pin, you're just like, yeah, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course she did that. You just don't have that with Chelsea Carey. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Sean. I I can't I can't really disagree with you. I, I will say she's, you know, one of the best curlers. Isn't that crazy that just a year ago she was running the table at the trials? Yes, it is crazy. Like, that it seems really insane. Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, this team, you're right, it's a bit Jekyll and Hyde. They have been playing well of late, like I mentioned, but would it surprise me if they went 4-3 and three in this round and had to play a tiebreaker or something? Not really. Yeah. So yeah. I could see them losing to, uh, well, we'll talk about Holman's in this bracket. We'll talk about Tracy Fleury. I could see them losing to them. I could see them losing to McCarville. Boom, yeah. there's three losses right there. So yeah. And then you have no wiggle room against Sarah Wark and Joe Brothers. So exactly, yeah. And and this and Quebec might come up and, and grab somebody. They might just just sort of be the spoiler. Just come up and, and maybe not even to to make the pool themselves, but just have that one game mm-hmm. where they just come up and they surprise you, and it's the eighth end, and they're up seven to four, and you're like, what's going on? You're like, oh no, Rachel Holman's like, oh, I can't read the ice. I don't know. It's what's like, going oh my on. god, I, I have to start trying now. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah, so Chelsea Carey, they should make it through. They should be fine. I think they're a playoff team, but like you said, it, they're they're prone to underperforming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on then to Manitoba. Tracy Flurry, her first rodeo out of Manitoba after being in northern Ontario for all those years. She is there with Carrie Anderson's old team, well publicized there that they beat them in the Manitoba final after falling behind and then beating them again a week later in the TSN Skins game. So a lot of experience here. Three out of these four people played in the final last season and Tracy mm-hmm. Fleury's been there multiple times and I, I there's really not, not much else, not to, much say. else to say they should be a playoff team yeah Sean her fourth uh, appearance at the Scotties it seems like more right and the same yeah. for Chelsea Carey I, I didn't mention it's only her fourth appearance at the Scotties uh, for that Chelsea Carey right, that seems right well yeah because Manitoba she could make it out of Manitoba forever for a long time yeah yeah for sure so uh, they play out of the East St. Paul Curling Club just outside of Winnipeg there in East St. Paul. Uh, for, yeah, fourth time. But like you mentioned, the majority of her team was in the final last year. That's yeah. got to be some sort of confidence that you have in that team. And uh, this is easily the best team Tracy Fleury's ever played with. No disrespect to her sister or any of the other players in Northern Ontario. They're 
they're good, but I mean, this is the best team, right? 100%. Yeah. So, the, so I can't see them not getting into the championship pool. And frankly, I think, I think they're a playoff team. I agree. I, I think they are a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. You know, we saw them at the Curling World Cup there in Omaha, where they won four of their games, didn't make it into the playoff round mm-hmm. there, which, okay, fine, that happens. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs at the last two Grand Slams either, which is uh, mildly concerning. Uh, but they did lose the final of the Tour Challenge back in November to Rachel Holman, made the playoffs at the Masters. So it's a team that in these top flight fields you sort of are 50-50 on, but in this field where you you don't quite have that same level of consistency that you may have at the Grand Slams, yeah, they they have to be considered a playoff team. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. So, you know, like you say, though, you know, maybe one of these teams comes up and bites them. I I don't think they're getting through unscathed, but... You know, uh, they definitely should be through to that second part of the week. Absolutely. So, uh, so I think we've covered them, and then there's really not much to say about the last team in the field. It is Rachel Homan and her squad out of the Ottawa Curling Club. They are going to be the favorites, certainly in the pool, if not in the field. They were given the spot in the wild card game, guaranteed if they needed it, which they did not. As they go through and win the Ontario Provincials, they are 51 and 13 on the season, scoring three points more than their opponents. And really, it's just a matter of are they the best team in the world, or is it Anna Hasselberg? That's right. Uh, Jennifer Jones might have something to say about that as well, given that she is the defending world champion. <laughs> but uh, I mean, in this field, at this event, if they're not in the one-two game, it's going to be a disappointing week for them. Huge upset if they're not in the one-two game, Sean. Uh, the only sort of wrinkle, you know, two team members are with child. Yep. Which, you know, uh, from what I'm told, tends to be kind of a, a pain on the body. Yeah. So, you still, know, it, I mean, they're still relatively uh, early on yeah, but in the, their pregnancy. But the first, the first trimester is supposed to be the worst from what I've heard from my friends uh, and all that as far as the sickness and feeling queasy and that sort of right. thing goes. They've done well at the Grand Slams. Those Grand Slams, of course, are four to five day events, uh, maybe yeah. six day events. This, of course, nine full days of curling should they make the final. And... Yep. A little bit of a different beast, you know. Team Holman has always been able to, you know, rent a house and and or get separate hotel rooms. You know, they've had the money to be able to do that uh, and eat really healthy throughout the event. So a little less concerning than it might be for another team. Maybe that's making their first appearance and sort of getting used to the rhythms of of a long event. But that's that's sort of the only hiccup I can see being possible for this team. Yeah, I, I agree, and but they just did the Ontario Scotties, which is a week-long event, and they lost one game there. They've won the last two Grand Slams, and certainly both Joe, uh, Joe and Rachel were pregnant there. Uh, no of course, Sean. There. So they're, they're just they're really great. good. Now, the one yeah. thing that we did not talk about was the controversy, the bullying controversy, yes. where... Uh, Rachel Holman was awarded the Sportsmanship Award, voted on by fellow players after the Ontario Provincials, and 
it was felt as though that was a subversive move by those players, sort of making fun of the fact that two of Team Holman live in Alberta, and one of the fans, actually, after the final, when somebody yelled Ontario, yelled Alberta. And so there was a bit of a controversy yeah. there. Rachel Holman came out with a statement. Uh, apparently, all the players who were involved in that have apologized and moved on. But it is something to watch that moving forward because the rules have to change. And did the other players respond in the right way? Like, of course not. Uh, no. Like, but it does highlight, I think, a larger issue that if the players now are amongst themselves in these positions where this is happening, it's just another sign that something has to change with the rules. It's just, it's not sustainable the way it is. And curling Canada has to address it so that not, not just like because stuff like this, but so that we actually have some sort of clarification on really what these events are. Are they national championships for the best teams? Are they a way to celebrate the, the curling across the country like what is the actual point of them and to me for what that event there highlighted there in Elmira at the end of the Ontario Provincials was was that more than the actual bullying it itself sure and uh, we got we also got the great gif of Joanne Courtney doing the friends version yeah. of flipping somebody off, yeah. uh, which was pretty amazing. But it, yeah, as far as I'm concerned right now, these players are all playing within the rules and that's fine. There's lots of things we can talk about uh, relating to residency, which I think we have. And frankly, like an hour into our Scotty's preview, I don't yeah. think we should. Uh, we can come back and, and revisit it again. Uh, if anybody's interested, uh, Mike Fournier wrote a blog yesterday, a blog entry uh, with his idea for what to do, which involved a mix of CTRS points leaders and regional representatives. Uh, it's interesting. Go give it a read if you want. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, and he'll have a link for that there. Uh, and yeah, Sean, we'll have we'll have to dive further into this. I think in the off season. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, whenever uh, Curling Canada makes its decision, because they have to do it now. They have to do it this year. They do. But I, I'm going to bet that we get zero talk of this on TSN. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. TSN tends to, uh, tends to uh, gloss over some of the controversies. You'll remember that last year with the Kerry Anderson team. Uh, they were. Uh, it was a business arrangement for them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I Vic, believe that's how that was framed. But I thought I thought Vic was pretty frank in saying like, basically they don't like each other. But yeah, but uh, that's because they didn't like each other. Right. So yeah, well, I yeah, mean they did I, talk, I'll... but they didn't talk about uh, what happened with Ryan Fry at all. Um, you know, there was they just talked about Mark Kennedy being at right. the Canada Cup, and they didn't talk about Ryan Fry other than he stepped away for personal things. So so that's the sort of thing that they they just don't get into the, the controversies here. Maybe it gets mentioned in passing. I don't think it will. And, yeah, that's just what they do. Well, all right, Sean. Well, uh, yeah, we've, I think we've talked it to death. Yes, so uh, let's move so on. So let's, let's make picks, yeah, right? Let's do picks. All right, so, again, we are doing four teams, uh, picking your playoff teams here. 
and you get one point for each team that is in the playoffs and an extra point if you pick the winner correctly. And I believe on this season, Scott, I am in the lead. Yeah, Sean. Uh, I was I updated the spreadsheet on my phone last time, and uh, the formulas didn't work well. So I, I got to go back to it, but I believe... I believe you're up by five points. Okay. All right. I like no, that. A not insurmountable lead, but no. uh, but I got some more. So we're going to pick, uh, like you said, four teams. Is that right? Yeah, four teams. So we're not going to do anything with the championship rounds and all that. Just the four playoff teams, who you think gets in. So Scott, uh, as the person in the lead, I will go first. Great. And, uh, for this, I'm going to take, obviously, Rachel Holman and Jennifer Jones to make the playoffs. I think those are the two easy ones that we would expect to make it in. Then it gets a little more complicated, and I think the key here for me, Scott, is that Pool B is a little easier. So I would expect that in Pool B, the teams will have a little more of a, a head start on the records. But because Pool B is easier, I think what we saw last year could happen again where mm. Pool A comes and dominates out of the championship round and just goes through. Now, last year we had all four teams come from the one pool. I don't think that happens again. I do, though, think that we're going to get three teams out of Pool A into the playoffs. So I think I'll go with Tracy Fleury and, of course, Kristen McCarvel to round out my playoffs there at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. Give me a Jennifer Jones, Rachel Holman final with Rachel Holman coming back and winning the Scotties. Both teams, uh, the both teams actually, who I think will be in the final, their last game at the Scotties were championship final victories. Huh, that's true. That's true, Sean. I don't think has ever happened before, so... Give me those two teams and give me Rachel Holman as your 2019 Canadian women's curling champion. Wow, Sean. Jeez. Uh, uh, I'm glad that you went first because I definitely need to make up some ground on you, but I'm not happy with the teams that you picked. <laughs> Let me just say that right now. Okay. So, of course, uh, Holman and Jones, they're sort of locks in my mind for the playoffs. I'm going to take the wild card team. Now, can I take whoever it is that comes out of the wild card game? Yes, I will give you that spot. Yes. Cool. Uh, so I'll take uh, whoever it is that comes out of that one. Um, I, I'm going to lean towards it being Carrie Anderson uh, as my next team. And then uh, I'm sort of stuck here on uh, a toss up between Tracy Fleury and Krista McCarvel for my next playoffs but uh, either way you've picked both of them yes and my heart is telling me to go with McCarville so I'm going to take McCarville okay. uh I know this is pretty boring because we're picking the same teams yes um, and I, look, do, I, I, I very much look forward to watching the Robin Silvernagel Robin Silvernagel Chelsea <laughs> Gary 3-4 game this is going to be great do we want to pick like a dark horse for a bonus point to make the playoffs sure I'll take Robin Silvernagel I, I kind of like that pick. Uh, for me, Sean, I I said it was between Fleury and McCarville, but you know what? Give me ah, oh boy, yeah, give me Sarah Warwick. I'll uh, I'll pull for this. All right, there you go. This BC team, right? Why not? Sure. Why not? I guess 
Charles Tigari could be a good choice too. She could, but yeah. But like like I said, now that we've done that, I look forward to watching the Suzanne Burt Chelsea Carey three four game. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, it'll be great TV. Yeah. So uh, so there you have it. That's the preview for the 2019 Scotties Tournament of Hearts. We're breaking down all 16 teams and giving you our picks. So enjoy it, everybody. It's uh, as we said last night on our episode. Love it when it's on the East Coast. At least I do. Uh, earlier draws on the East Coast and uh, morning draws are actually morning draws, whereas last year they were afternoon draws being out in the West Coast. So I do like it when it's on the East side. So enjoy it from Sydney. Scott, thank you, as always. Oh, did I pick a winner, Sean? No, you didn't pick oh, a winner. Oh, I, I picked Jennifer Jones. Okay. <laughs> Ready to go out on a limb, buddy. Boom. Um, so yeah so enjoy the action everybody kicking off friday night and running for nine days this year at the scotties and uh get all the vic you can oh you gotta love the vic sean you gotta, gotta soak love it. soak it in while you can so enjoy it we'll be back through the week with some regular stuff check our social media for our schedule for what we're going to do we haven't laid it down yet exactly what we're planning on but certainly we'll be back with updates and, and do follow along with Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. Same with Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. And we'll be uh, giving you our thoughts, giving some updates on what's going on there. You can also check us out, GameofStonesPod.com. Email the show, GameofStonesPodcast at gmail.com. And if you have not yet, please do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you get your shows and give us the likes and the ratings and all that good stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah, so... Uh, so enjoy the games. Enjoy the kicking off of the Scotties. We'll be back with you at some point during the week. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert.